Welcome to Extra Vision with me, Andy McCarroll, and on today's show, we're going to be previewing the biggest, the best, and potentially the worst movies of 2023, and it is my honor, my pleasure, my privilege to be welcoming my guest today, movie critic Chris Wasser and editor of Geek Ireland, Olivia Fahey. How are you guys? Looking forward to telling you how wrong you are again. Oh, just put you on mute there real quick there, Olivia. Chris, I'm going to start with you now because of that comment. Looking at the slate for the year, do you think, are you optimistic, pessimistic? What kind of year do you predict 2023 will be? Uh, hopefully a good one. Uh, in terms of big screen storytelling, hopefully a great one. Um, we're finally going to get to see what you know Greta Gerwig's Barbie is all about. I mean, I know there's a trailer out there, but the trailer does something that no other that that movie trailer should do. You know, rather than give you the entire story in two and a half minutes, it tells you nothing about what Barbie's going to be like. But it gets you excited, and it certainly intrigues you and fascinates you with like the imagery and you know a, a brief snippet of of the performance by Margot Robbie and by Ryan Gosling. Uh, we're going to have that. We've new Spielberg on the way in the next couple of weeks uh, with the Fablemans. We've got the return of Chris Nolan with Oppenheimer and also the return of Chris Nolan to, you know, real life historical filmmaking rather than, you know, confusing the hell out of us with something like tennis. So that's something to uh, to, to, to be excited about. Um, but I think also like there are an awful lot of uh, Irish stars and Irish filmmakers that are set to make uh, a lot of noise in uh, 2023. So I might start with something that was this week announced as having a release date finally, uh, you know, close to maybe like eight months after I think there was trailers of it, like, you know, a world premiere of festivals, and that's God's Creatures. And this is Paul Meskel's new one uh, uh, alongside Emily Watson. Uh, it's by a couple of filmmakers named Sayla Davis and Anna Rose Homer. It's based on a story by uh, Shane Crowley, and it's uh, produced by uh, Father Cronin O'Reilly. And it tells the story of a, uh, a young lad uh, portrayed by Paul Meskel, who has been away in Australia for, for a long time and has come back to his family's uh, uh, fishing village in Ireland. And, you know, his mom, played by Emily Watson, is delighted to see him. But we kind of get the sense after a while that there's a reason that he left. And also he's not home. It's it's not long when, when when he's home that something happens and that an allegation is made and you have a mother then whose devotion is kind of questioned uh, after this serious allegation is made against her son. So great cast. Asim Franciosi is in there as well. She's terrific. And it was announced this week that Volta Pictures, uh, formerly Elements, are handling the Irish distribution. So we're going to see that on the 24th of March. So that's the next big Irish thing that I'm very excited to see. I think what was put on hold was kind of real world events going on that mirrored this very similar this is an a24 film as well isn't it um, it is yeah 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 so you can expect a, a, an element of uh you know this is a psychological drama that will sometimes dress itself up as, as something of a real life horror and that's something that kind of a24 specialize in these days mescal seems to be your guy lately yeah definitely yeah i think he's he's in After Some, which we talked about before, he kind of took all of that groundwork that he had done in Normal People. And, you know, it was a sensational performance that he gave us in Normal People, but he built on it with After Some. I just thought it was terrific. And just the small few things that I remember he did that one with them. Um, do you remember he did that film with Jesse Buckley and Olivia Coleman the summer before last? The one about the uh, the, the holiday gone sideways. And, and just the few things that we've seen him in since. He's not there's nothing showy about him. There's nothing, uh, you know, there's never, there's rarely any grandstanding in his performances. You know, there's rarely any grandstanding when it comes to even promoting his films, but he's quietly creeping up on every other performer, not just every other Irish male lead as one of our finest talents. And I just think he's, he's also quite smart about the roles that he's doing. Now that might be, you know, questioned if he, if he is going to make Gladiator 2 at Ridley Scott, but so far so good for Mescal, I think. He, do, he has that 
it factor like no matter what he did like the shorts went viral you know the, the high profile celebrity relationship and then he had that snack wars with uh with the, the girl who plays his daughter and after some which was, if you haven't seen it it's just the most charming video you're ever going to see olivia we kind of touched on it there i'd be curious to get your thoughts on it the barbie movie i think I this is going to be a flop <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you? I actually think it's probably going to be one of those sleeper hits because like Greta Gerwig is someone who produces quite top-notch films. Like Lady Bird was brilliant. Uh, I really liked her version of Little Women as well. And I actually don't like Little Women as a story, but I really enjoyed her film. So I think that we could be pleasantly surprised with what she has to offer and what she's done with this. So as far as I'm aware, what's happening with the Barbie movie is that it's taking place in Barbie land, which is, you know, full of bright colours and lots of Kens, lots of Barbies. And basically Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling's Barbie and Ken decide that they want to leave and head out into the real world and find out, you know, what else it, there is like on offer and hence those hilarious photos of them in their rollerblading outfits, which, you know, gas. Um, and like, that's kind of the, the plot. And yeah, it kind of makes some sort of sense that that might happen if you were stuck in a Barbie world. But if they don't have Aqua Song in it, then that's just not going to work at all. Now, just but, it's yeah, not that I think I, it's going to be a bad film. I just think like a Barbie movie, and it's it, it doesn't like this does not appear to be aimed at kids. I don't think Greta Gerwig is making like a, a kids Barbie movie, but you know our adults going to look at you know oh there's a Barbie movie coming out, but actually no, it's a really thoughtful you know take on Hollywood or whatever you know tone she's going to go for because you know it's not going to be straightforward you know play with dolls tie in movie. I think it's going to kind of fall between two stools, and I don't think it's going to be as big as maybe the film deserves. I loved it a little bit. I hated Ladybird. Just just (laughs) put that out there. (laughs) I actually, I so I disagree with where you're saying that you think it's going to be a flop. I actually think that like nostalgia has been such a massive, massive thing, especially since the pandemic hit. Like every, you can always tap into the nostalgia aspect for different things, but since the pandemic, everyone's been kind of like looking back and you know feeling sort of connections to you know, old toys or like old films and things that they just liked when they were younger. And I think this is a film that's coming out probably at the right time for that because everybody is kind of like, ah, yeah, like, do you remember that? And because like a lot of the outfits are so close to, you know, the the outfits that Barbie dolls had that I think people are going to go see it just purely because they want to be able to spot, like, are there Barbie in the film? Like, it, like, is the, the toys that they played with there, like, do they recognize this? Like, what way are they actually going about all of that characterization and things like that? So I think curiosity is going to get the better of people with regards to this film, whether it's good or bad. I actually think it is probably going to do well. And if it do, if it is a good film and the critics say it's good, then it's going to do better. I'd be curious to see what the rating is, because if this is like a 12, you've alienated basically 90% of your audience on this. Chris, coming up, we have... Three basically films that could claim to be love letters to cinema with Empire of Light. Uh, but the two we want to talk to you about is Babylon from Damien Chazelle, his fifth film, I believe, and Steven Spielberg with the the semi autobiographical The Fablemans. Where do you stand on the two of these? Where do you think these could possibly go? Could we see them fighting each other on Oscar night? Um, it's doubtful. Uh, there seems to be an awful lot of love. Uh, well, there were uh, several nominations for uh, Babylon at the Golden Globes. There seems to be a lot of love for Justin Hurwitz's score, which I should say is probably the best thing about this film. But Babylon is this just extravagant, excessive, barmy, 
bonkers, sweary, structureless, shapeless mess of a film, which just has some fabulous bits in it. Whereas The Fablemans, which I haven't seen yet, uh, you know, it is another love letter. Love letter to cinema seems to be the term of the year or of January. That's what everyone has been saying about those three films that, that you mentioned. But The Fablemans is about the closest that we're going to get in terms of an autobiographical feature from Steven Spielberg. That one I'm very much looking forward to because, uh, you know, from by all accounts, it is this fabulous uh, uh, portrait of what it's like to be a child discovering cinema for the first time and basically using, you know, the movies as this distraction from what's going on in your family life, from, you know, maybe the breakdown of your of, 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 of your parents' marriage, from maybe from the hard hardships of school and what's expected of you uh i'm very much looking forward to that and when everyone has been saying around you that this is steven spielberg's best work in years steven spielberg has been doing great work over the last 10 years yes he gave us ready player one but let's not forget about the post which i and i know and i know you might you might not think <laughs> i can almost hear you saying chris did you mention did you just say the post i thought that was one of the best steven spielberg films or one of the best dramas that he'd done in a long time uh so yeah new spielberg is always something to be excited about but when people tell you that this is the best thing he's done you know i'm in i, I mean if you said it. bridge of spies i could get on board with bridge of spies i think that's a very good one i have actually seen the fablements i liked it i, I really did it was one of those where i came out and you know i have my deposit there for the mortgage i'm kind of thinking maybe i'll just put this in and make myself a film it's, it's one of those <laughs> ones the thing about it is it's a sort of uneven because i think he's telling his own story i would have been curious to see this script directed by somebody else, somebody else doing, you know, a take on the, sure. the myth of Spielberg. The weird thing I thought of watching it is, I don't know if you, you watch football, Chris, but there was a player, Matt Letizia. Yeah. Would do nothing for the whole game. And all of a sudden he would you know, beat six players, score a goal, or bang one in from 40 yards. The Fablemans reminded me of that. You get these kind of 10, 15 minute stretches in the film where you're like, it's not great. And then all of a sudden there'll be a scene or two where you go, oh yeah, no, this, this is the best to ever do it. Olivia, Next up for you there, we've got Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the, the first of the big Marvel movies this year. One, are you a fan of the Ant-Man series? This is kicking off the, the next phase of the MCU, very lackluster, I think, previously. Do you think this can kick it off in a good way? Because obviously we're going to get uh, Secret War and uh, what's, what's the, the name of the other The Kang Dynasty as well. The off Kang the back Dynasty, of this. yeah. Yeah, honestly, because this is what we all expected to be the Kang introduction to be. So the anticipation was really high. But then he had a little, we got a little preview of him in Loki. Um, Sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Loki season one, but he does make an appearance at the end of of the season um, as he he who remains. And that is a slightly different version of the Kang that we're going to see. And I think it was a very clever way for them to do it because you kind of learn a bit more about the multiverse, about how like each variant is going to be different and each variant is going to have their own wants and needs and desires and goals. This one that we're going to meet in Atman is going to be a little bit more nefarious. He's going to be a little bit more tricksty and has darker motives overall. And I think setting it in the quantum realm is very clever. I think the way that they've characterized everything looks very comic accurate but with a cinematic twist so in the comics kang is known for having like a big blue face and in the film what they're doing is that the blue face is actually a shield across his helmet and then that kind of goes away from time to time so he's not going to be blue the whole time some people like it some people don't i personally think it was a, a clever way of getting around him having to be blue for quite some time um kicking off phase five yeah makes sense especially with now that we know the direction that they're going in uh in terms of the kang dynasty and secret wars so 
it, I'm hoping it's good. I liked the first two Batman films. I don't have them ranked extremely high, but I'm always kind of going into them being like, that's exactly what it says on the tin and I'm happy with it. Like I've never been disappointed by anything that Atman has done, be it in his solo outings or in any of the, the bigger uh, Avengers films and things like that. So I'm hoping they don't mess it up for the last one. Cause like it, there's a lot of talk about how this is Paul Rudd's last film. Um, I hope it's not the case. I would like to see him do more Atman, but if it is, then, you know, you have to send him out with a bang and judging by the trailer where he's saying it's like oh I don't have to win we just both have to lose I was like don't do it don't do it don't kill him off but you know what a line I just think if this was played by anyone else I think Paul Rudd carries a lot of this I think like this is his sixth time playing Ant-Man he had like a huge role in the Avengers as well but Mm. he's still kind of like even in the trailers like people are mistaking him for Spider-Man it doesn't feel like that character has had a definitive arc so I'm curious to see what they do with this and the thing i'm really excited about is jonathan majors in this film and another reason i'm really excited for jonathan majors is creed 3 <laughs> nice segue <laughs> exactly he just looks like he's gonna punch the christ out of michael b jordan so are you are you a fan of the creed and the rocky series uh chris where, where do you stand on creed 3 oh i love the rocky films um i've had my heart broken by them more times than I can, but no I, I i do uh in terms of where I stand on each one, I thought I think the first one is just you know un, un, untouchable. The second one was a decent sequel. Then, as Slice Stallone once said in an interview, when the Rocky they get better started, and better and better, yeah. Oh uh, no, they, I, I remember I remember Slice Stallone saying that you know uh, it was it was a, it was a case that Rocky was very much a film of its time, and when the film started trying to keep up with the times. And trying to, you know, play to a sort of MTV audience. That's where it lost the run of itself. But for them to find a way back to, first of all, Rocky Balboa, to kind of give us what we thought at the time was this beautiful swan song where it was kind of redeeming itself for all the mistakes that it made in that terrible Rocky V picture. To give us that after so many years, after so many mistakes was just... I, it, it was it was just mind blowing. It was it, it was a breathtaking that's, display. That's so from... many mistakes. One one mistake. Rocky Five. Ah, oh, so many mistakes, Andy. So I, I mean, I've I'll be controversial. Five. The original Rocky is one of the lesser Rockies. We're just gonna forget about that. And move on to. Have uh, you the, watched uh, it lately? Uh, it is a slow, slow, slow film. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's more of a character study than a boxing film. It's Excuse brilliant. me while I just grab the popcorn while you guys just fight it out. <laughs> lovely, just lovely put, put stuff. The two of you, put the two of you into the ring, like, go on. <laughs> and you can absolutely see, you can absolutely see as well why an awful lot of critics and audiences at the time thought, this is good, you know, it seems funny, it sounds like a punchline now, but, you know, at the time a lot of people were watching. Oh, very good. No, that was actually, I, I stumbled into that knockout stuff there. Uh, that, an awful lot of people thought that, you know, Stallone was going to be the next Brando. Of course, he wasn't the next Brando though but there, there are some great performances in there eventually i'll get to the creed films the creed films again have just astounded me in that you know again there are these lovely character studies that are telling a story that there's enough story there you know the performance is lovely the direction uh michael b jordan now going from 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 performer to director he's kind of actually following eerily in in, in stallone's footsteps will this next one work i don't know because what's been nice about the first two creed films stallone has always been in the corner and you know, yes, it's a big, a big enough role, but he's kind of just almost like the Godfather figure in the corner, just giving his blessing. And kind of every time we check in on him, he's just you know this this lovely mentor for for that Creed character to have. He's not part of this now, and I'm a little bit worried. And also, we've never seen anything by Michael B. Jordan. He could, as a filmmaker, as a, as a storyteller, as a director, we've never seen anything from him. I, he he could knock it out of the park. I'm not sure, but I am a little cautious and skeptical but that's the way i've always been with every rocky sequel since the original so i'm probably going to be proven wrong andy 
I was going to ask Olivia about that, actually, because it's essentially we're going to have a Rocky film without Rocky in it. And like Chris said, Michael B. Jordan is direct. And, and you would think if Stallone was in this, OK, he's got Stallone to lean on the kind of the, you know, the godfather of the franchise. Do you think maybe he's bitten off more than he can chew here, Olivia? Does a Rocky film work without Rocky? I think Creed has kind of become a thing of its own. And with, of course, like having the connection there and having Sly appear in it is always going to be a draw for fans of the original. But I think a lot of people have come into Creed having not seen Rocky. Maybe not like many, many, like it might not be the majority, but a lot of people have. And I would say now that it's kind of established enough for the third one, yeah, if if you can't make it float now without him, then you know it's it's never going to survive pa- like past it. So, I uh, I'm gonna just go down the middle and be just like, we'll have to wait and see <laughs> how it actually turns out. Um, it, it yeah, it is literally just gonna sink or swim. And because there hasn't been really all of that much promo for it, I'm kind of wondering are Warner Brothers kind of just banking on it already being somewhat popular that they don't have to invest as much marketing into it. But that could be what kills it as well. I like being the, the, the kind of the mediator here because I think we're going to need you in this next segment as well. Chris, you yeah. wrote one of the air preview for The Independent and one of the movies you said was Evil Dead Rise. And I just want to ask you about your opening line here. The world doesn't need another Evil Dead film. I will say to you that The Evil Dead is the best, most consistent horror franchise in history. The original trilogy, not a bad film there. And the remake is genuinely one of the best horror remakes I've ever seen. There's not a bad film in this series. And I think people like you saying we don't need another evil dead film explain yourself sir you also just claimed that the first rocky film is kind of boring <laughs> it's a great <laughs> if you watch the first rocky film now there's about 30 minutes you can take out of that nah nah look the world doesn't need another evil dead film okay look i'll frame it in a way that you might like it the world doesn't need another evil dead film because they've already been done perfectly you don't you know how how, how oh, do you improve yeah. how do you improve on that so you weren't expecting that uh but at the same time this one is manned by Lee Cronin uh, in terms of the screenplay, in terms of the, the, the direction. And it said that uh, uh, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi saw uh, Lee Cronin's uh, directorial debut, The Hole in the Ground, three, four years back and thought, this is the guy who we're going to, you know, uh, allow steer the Evil Dead ship uh, for, 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 the next, uh, for the next chapter in the franchise. And I can see why they thought that. I, I liked that film an awful lot. Um, it's kind of it was heavy on you know ambition and ideas and sometimes the follow through wasn't as effective as I as I hoped it would be but Shauna Kerslake was great in it it looked fantastic the sound design and it was something else it genuinely did you know uh, uh, put it put a chill on my bones and, and it, it was genuinely frightening which is a good start if you're going to be a horror filmmaker uh, but so the fact that you know we have a guy from Dublin uh, in charge you know with the you know with the Evil Dead keys at this stage that's kind of cool that's kind of exciting and also the fact as well that it takes the story out of the woods uh, and into a big city for this, you know, family reunion that goes terribly sideways uh, when these two estranged sisters try to try to mend a relationship. Um, that's new as well. So there's an awful lot, you know, so there's a freshness here. Uh, the trailer freaked the bejesus out of me. Uh, I know I said that we probably don't need another one, but I, again, you know, going back to prove me wrong, I think I might be proven wrong with this one. This looks like it might be all kinds of freaky and I'm up for that. The trailer looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I was, I've been very nervous about this. Like you said, Doberman Lee Cronin doing it. I want them to do well just from a you know, pure standpoint of being Irish. And I love the Evil Dead series. And then I hear it's in the terror block. I was like, mm. But yeah, after seeing the trailer, it's all in. Olivia, I'm picking fights with people. So next is you. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I think <laughs> this looks garbage. <gasps> How 
how very dare you because like I know so many people who play Dungeons and Dragons and they have been pointing out just how much of an attention to detail they have paid to that franchise and to the tabletop game it is apparently spot on for so many different things and for me the story looks like it could be crack I was just I was curious by it and I think that it, it's in good hands like because it, we do have the Wizards of the Coast have actually been like input with the the, the script and things like that so I think it's gonna be very true for fans but also be sort of broad enough that the wider media and wider uh, audiences will be able to enjoy it as well um I'm very very excited to see it and you were just plain all wrong the only thing that kind of gives me any sort of hope is the directors have uh, done the reboot of Vacation which was far better than it had any right to be and Game Night which for me is one of the best comedies of the last 15 years that's the only thing that's going to keep me going. The trailer, I thought, looked terrible. Renee Jean-Page is not good. And Michelle Rodriguez is just going to do a Michelle Rodriguez thing. So it's not... The, the, the cast doesn't get me excited. The, the jokes, it was this obvious, here comes the, 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 the joke. Didn't get me excited at all. And I think this, this for me, it could be one of the big flops of the year. Yeah, but I, honey, not, I, I, I actually just agree completely. <laughs> But but sorry to sorry to cut across. It could give us. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons could single handedly be responsible for the next Star Trek film because it's if this flops and it probably will because Chris Pine hasn't been very clever about you know his roles over the last few years and his films aren't making money. Chris Pine's figure, you know, his salary is going to you know his his commanding fee. It's going to go down, and that could mean that he will jump on anything to be in the hit and that next film of his could be you know the star trek sequel because remember there was all sorts of argument about how much the chris's were going to be paid for the next star trek sequel well yeah but yeah. then they also announced that the star trek sequel was going ahead with all of the cast returning and then all of the cast went nobody told us they hadn't agreed to anything and they had announced yeah. this during a pitch uh was it with paramount it was like their paramount like business day or shareholders day or something like that jj abrams goes off makes all these wild claims to be like yay shareholders be happy and then the cast come out and they're like no one bloody well told us that we <laughs> that we're going back for this we've signed no contract we've seen no script we've seen nothing so i was a bit like oh oh that's a bad start lads I also love that they kind of tried to hint that Quentin Tarantino was interested in directing because oh, Quentin yeah. Tarantino didn't do a hell of a lot of press. Unfortunately, the time they chose to do that was the time he was launching a podcast. So he pretty much nipped it in the bud day one. So they didn't even get, you know, a little <laughs> bit of momentum to to rumorate on that. Yeah. Um, but either way, I think I think I think Dungeons and Dragons, even if it's critically like trashed, I think because D and D is such a big thing at the moment, everyone's gonna be curious enough to go see it. Similar to the Barbie film, I think curiosity is just going to get the better of people and the fact that it's filmed in Belfast I think a lot of Irish people are probably just going to go see it could be like oh yeah there there it is or there's a name if they know people who were like extraing it it's like oh yeah there's so and so you know people have that kind of connection to these things so yeah I I don't see it flopping terribly I'd say if it does miss out on making any money it's only going to just miss it I think one of the reasons as well it's coming out sandwiched between two films that I think are going to do far better one of them, John Wick Chapter 4, and the other one, which I think is going to be one of the big... I picked it as one of the biggest movies of last year, but it moved date to, to get away from Avatar, and that's the Super Mario Brothers movie. I disagree. I think Super Mario, if it's not getting rave reviews, because people have been so annoyed over the casting for it, I think people are not going to pay to go see it. A lot of people might be bold and download and stream it, um, but I don't think people are going to pay to go see it out of curiosity. Um, even though, like, I actually think it does look great. 
Um, I think they probably do have a very strong storyline behind it. I just think that the controversy over Chris Pratt being cast as Mario over Charles Martinet is going to hurt it greatly. And even just having Charles on IMDb and using his woohoo uh, is not going to be enough to, to get people <laughs> past that. That was actually a spot on impression. I was very, very <laughs> impressed with that. I think the, the audience for Super Mario Bros. Like... <laughs> <laughs> You're saying like you haven't. I just think the audience for Super Mario Brothers aren't going to care who the voice is because it's no. pretty majority. And you just, I, Super Mario is just absolutely huge. You know, the, the consoles, the cartoons, the, there's a whole generation that will have like different, you know, Mar- Mario, who's their favorite Mario. I don't think it's going to be a big, I think this is going to be one of the biggest ones of the year. John Wick Chapter 4, again, a film that hasn't had a, a bad entry in the franchise. I think there's two left. There's this one and one more. And, and apparently that's going to be it then. Chris, I absolutely oh, love these films. Sorry, I could take or leave them, to be honest. I appreciate the work that goes into choreographing these films. You know, the set pieces, the fight sequences. I appreciate uh, Keanu Reeves and, you know, his supporting players kind of commitment to it. You know, the amount of training that they do, the the authenticity of these films in terms of let's not, you know, do a take and let's not have 17 takes for the fight sequences. Let's, you know, be up close and show what happens when people get hit. You know, they tend to get hurt. I, I like all of that. The story, I think the more is it, the more it goes along, it kind of ruins itself a little bit. I loved all of the little mysteries you had in the first film when they didn't really know where you know if there would be a second one they didn't know if there would be a film franchise they didn't know that there would be a prequel series all that sort of stuff uh, when they start over explaining things i just get a little bit you know uh, i'm for, do, do you remember nobody last year with bob odenkirk part yep. of the reason i love that was all of these little things from the tattoos on his wrist to you know the 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 exact details of the job that he used to have they're all kept a mystery and i remember at the time saying i'd watch a sequel so long as they don't do a john wick in it because the more you explain something the less magical it becomes so i will have a little fun watching john you know Keanu Reeves beat up bad guys again but I just I'm I kind of the, the story does nothing for me but I will say I agree with you on something Andy which is not something I say often on Super Mario Brothers I think that might do an angry bird sort of a deal and I know they're two very different things but people the people giving out about it are not the people who are going to go see it and you're going to get an awful lot of families bringing their kids to this thing and they won't care about the fact that Chris Pratt was cast over somebody else they'll just care that it's something to distract them for, for two hours I think it might actually work and now here I'm going to jump in because I actually disagree on the family thing more families are choosing to stay at home and wait for films to come on demand than having to drag all their kids to the cinema because it costs too much money it's too loud there's other kids distracting them and their kids just can't sit still anymore in the cinema so a lot more families are choosing to wait and just watch it at home because it's cheaper to rent it for 20 quid than drag everybody into the cinema for 30. This is okay, true. We, but we, we need to do a bit here. What does better, Dungeons and Dragons or Mario? <laughs> right. Okay. There needs to be a forfeit here actually, somewhere. I will actually say it's like I do think Super Mario will still do very well, but like I've seen people who are quoting it as like, oh, it's going to make like a billion dollars. I'm like, I don't see it doing that well, purely because of this, like a the the controversy and b the fact that like families just probably aren't going to take the kids to go see it. I'd say between five and eight, I wouldn't be shocked to see it in that kind of range. I, I have Mario is going to make at least half a billion at the box office. Dungeons and Dragons would be lucky if it makes a hundred. Right. We need to work on a forfeit now off the air and have to come up with this. Olivia, you're going to be team Dungeons and Dragons. Me and Chris, I think, are team Super Mario. Yep. Well, I don't, I, again, I did say I don't think Dungeons and Dragons is going to do better. I just don't think it's going to be a flop. Oh, you're backing out already there. The confidence is <laughs> waning. We can, we can listen back. I never once said it was going to be like making 900 million. I just said it was going to do well. Better than what you two think. 
we'll see. John Wick, one of the best action franchises in mine, and also we're getting what, well, in my opinion, is the best action franchise, the Mission Impossible series. Again, the second to last one of the series, if the if the acronym Dead or the, the the name Dead Reckoning Part One is to be believed. Olivia, are you a fan of these movies? You know, I am. And I wasn't when they first started coming out. I actually was just like, oh, would you go away already? But um, then, gosh, I forget where the turning point was. It probably was Fallout or um, what was the one before Fallout? Rogue Nation? Rogue Rogue Notions. Rogue Notions, yeah. Rogue Notions. (laughs) I might say Rogue Nations there and go. <laughs> yeah, I think that was like that was kind of like a turning point. Actually, do you know what? Let, I'll just be I'll be bold. When Simon Pegg joined in, that's when I think <laughs> my mind changed. Um, I think it just once it found its lane and what it actually wanted to do, and it just took to another level. And I just actually started enjoying them. And then even when I went back to watch the first few, I was like, okay, they weren't as bad as I remembered. This is definitely where they get better. Similarly, I think with the uh, Fast and Furious franchise, I think they definitely, once they figured out what it is that they wanted to be doing, they hit their stride and then they kind of went bang, bang, bang. I'd say like, was it like four, five, six, seven, all quite good. And then, you know, even though eight and nine have done better box office wise, I do think that the previous ones were better received from a critical and audience enjoyment point of view. Um, but yeah, the first few didn't really know what they were doing and then they kind of just launched into it. And I think that's the same with Mission Impossible. Once they found their stride, it just took off running. But um, <laughs> oh, the, the, the horns are flying thick and fast. Oh, we are just on a roll today, aren't we? <laughs> Speaking of crew, I have the same thing with Tom Cruise. Every film, like, oh, he's a lunatic, he believes in aliens and volcanoes. And then after about 15 minutes, he'll throw himself off a building, shatter his ankle just for, you know, for cinema. He's like the anti-rock. And I was like, yeah, no, whatever. I'm in. Wh- whatever you want, you madly want to take, go right ahead and do it. Chris, the Mission Impossible films, are you a fan yourself? I am, absolutely. Uh, but like Olivia, and uh, maybe like yourself, saw the first two when, you know, maybe I was a little too young to appreciate them in the 90s. I think it was the third one that J.J. Abrams did. Was it J.J. Abrams that directed the third one? Yeah, he directed the, third, the yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman one. Yeah, that was the third. I mean, Seymour Hoffman, Tom Cruise, and and uh, and J.J. Abrams, you know, that was, that was a turning point for me. Um, they get better as they go along. And also, they keep things very simple and a lot of fun in the storytelling department. You know, remember the, the last few minutes of the last one? It was something like, here's a big nuclear bomb and let's just get one of the characters to try and disarm it. I'm pretty sure that was happening at the end of the last one. Um, and there was so much fun and carnage going on around it. And I'm the same as yourself. I think we said this about Top Gun again a few weeks ago when we were discussing it. I sit down to every Tom Cruise film and go, oh God, this guy wrecks my head. And every time I read something about him, I'm like, why do I go to watch his films? And then after five minutes, you're sitting there, mouth open, just absolutely stunned. And you think, wow. This is why I watch his films. He really does do things that no other performer can do. And yeah, I am really looking forward to two more Mission Impossible movies. I think that first film is very underrated. We recently oh, watched is, that yeah. in my house and my miss hadn't seen it before. And she's like, oh, fantastic. When was this? And I was like, this was 27 years ago. You kind of forget how long this franchise is going and, and how it's evolved over time. That for Brian De Palma directed the first one. It just seems like a weird anomaly when you look back on it now because the whole <laughs> idea he wanted to do like basically a different director as John Woo, then with JJ Abrams. But he seems to have found his, his groove there with Chris McQuarrie. One, well, I, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping it's going to be good. The title and some of the story leads kind of has me a bit, uh, and that's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. 
Yeah, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is that the is that is that the best that they they could have come up with? Um, there are rumors, I believe, that we're gonna there's gonna be an element of of, of time travel involved here, and I, I but at the same time, I'm cautiously optimistic about it because for the first time ever, Steven Spielberg is not directing, and that might seem like a bad thing, but I think given the events uh, of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull we should steer Spielberg and, and certainly Lucas had to step aside and let someone, you know, else steer, steer the ship. James Mangold hasn't made a bad film in ages and hasn't really made that many bad films at all. Uh, you know, we're talking everything from Copland, Walk the Line, uh, the Logan, The Man 66. He's shown that he can do, uh, you know, a thrilling drama and also you know when it comes to sheer spectacle like something he i thought he i thought he did a fantastic job on logan and the man 66 in in, in that in that regard so yeah i think we might be on something special here great cast mads mickelson is in there i think he just has this notebook at home with a list of franchises that he wants to play the villain in and he is just ticking them off one by one uh we also have phoebe Wall- uh, uh phoebe waller bridge in there as well playing indy's goddaughter and i think this is definitely without a doubt there is no way he has time or, or the energy to do another one. This has to be Harrison Ford's, you know, indie swan song. And it looked from just on the basis of that trailer, which, you know, it did, it did get me excited. It might be a good one. So I'm like yourself, Andy. I love this series. Please do not mess it up again. Chris, I know you have to go. So I have to ask you, for your, what do you think will be the biggest movie of 2023? What do you think will be the surprise movie of the year? And what do you think will be the biggest flop of the year? Oh, okay. So one of the biggest movies of the year will probably be uh, Chris Nolan's Oppenheimer. Uh, yeah, definitely. Just in terms of, you know, a new Nolan film is an event film. Uh, so, and, and again, it's nice to see him kind of return to, uh, you know, historical drama. I thought he did a terrific job with Dunkirk, terrible job with tennis. Uh, Killian Murphy, again, is, you know, front and center. Uh, not again, front and center, but finally after playing a supporting player in all those Nolan films, everything from, you know, the Batman Begins to uh, Inception Beyond, uh, you know, he's finally front and center for a story about the, you know, the, the, the father of the atomic bomb. So that is something that I'm very much looking forward to. In terms of a flop, I'm not sure if people are going to show out or show up for Wonka with Timothy Chalamet. I think it will. I was quite skeptical when I heard about its release. I was thinking, who wants to see a film about Willy Wonka's early years? Why does everybody and everything get an origins tale? But the team behind it, you've got the Paddington team behind it. You've got Neil uh, Hannon of the Divine Comedy on soundtrack. You've got Timothy Chalamet, Olivia Coleman. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a wonderful team. I'm just not sure if there's an interest in it. I think it might turn out to be so, you know surprisingly good. I don't know if it'll make money. And what was the other one that you wanted? The biggest surprise. What do you think is going to be the, the sleeper hit of the year? The sleeper hit of the year. Um, I think probably going back to I think when we when you were discussing Barbie there earlier, and in terms of like how you know it, questioning whether or not you know it might it might it might make money at the box office, I think that could have the potential to be something massive. Uh, you know, it could one of those things that about a critical success and a word of mouth success that everybody is going to see just because they want to see, you know, how funny or how crazy it is, or because Mar- or or to see Margot Robbie as uh, as Barbie. Greta Gerwig has yet to have like a a proper flop as a filmmaker. Uh, I think I think that could be I think that could surprise the hell out of us. I agree, and especially with like we can we've seen with like Avatar being like a hit of the year, even though it wasn't maybe critically acclaimed. Um, yeah. Like, I think curiosity will get better, people. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Chris, we're going to let you go. Olivia, I'm going to ask for, well, I'm going to tell you one of my, what I think will be one of the surprise movies of the year. And I think 
we're in agreement on this, which is unusual for us. That's yeah. cocaine bear. Yeah. Oh, it just sounds so crazy. And it's like it 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 it's gonna do exactly what it says in the tit. It is a bear that got into some cocaine and went on a murderous rampage. Like what what's not to love? I'm kind of surprised because I'm seeing this pop up. Like I listen to a, a lot of podcasts, I watch a lot of the you know YouTube reviews. Everybody seems to be talking about this. The only thing I'm wondering about is this going to be a kind of the snakes in the plane situation where everyone just talks about it, but then when it comes out, no one actually bothers to go and see it. Why do you think people will actually go and show up for this film? I think because we've been awaiting something like this for quite some time. Just something that's a little bit off the wall, a bit silly, and just something that if you're just stuck for something to do on a Thursday night, you're just like, you know what, let's go see this. Let's see what all the fuss is about. Is it as mindless, entertaining, and just hilarious as we think it is? Yes, it is. I also think a lot of people might go see it because is this the film that Ray Liotta was shooting when he passed away or had just wrapped? Yeah, he has. He just, like, this was the last one he had completed, so... And so I think it, even though they may not want to promote it as his last film, you know, like it is probably going to be a draw for a lot of his fans. So, you know, I think, yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll do very well. And Elizabeth Banks actually is quite a good director, I think. Um, like I know she, like she hasn't had like massive hits, but I don't think that's ever been down to her direction style. So I'm curious to see how she tackles something like this because everything else has been kind of fluffy. <laughs> I'll disagree and I'll show my hand here because I think she directed the worst Pitch Perfect movie of which I am a very big fan and I should not have revealed that on this show. No, you shouldn't because now I'm going to tease you to hell because guess what? I don't like Pitch Perfect <gasps> as a franchise. Oh, how dare you? I, I know. I just never got it. I was like, I liked, I was like, I did like Glee and all that type of stuff and it's something that I should enjoy. I just was always really bored and I was like, oh, it's just cliched left, right and centre and I couldn't get into it. I've been caught so many times blasting that soundtrack with the windows down and uh, <laughs> pretending that I've been happy. A franchise you are a fan of, though, is The Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're getting what we're told is the last one. Obviously, director James Gunn, he's shifting off. He's going to be in charge of Warner Brothers, so he's leaving the, the Marvel family, as Kevin Feige calls it. The trailer looks like it's going to be all kinds of heartbreaking goodbyes. Are you looking forward to this? What, where do you think this can, can leave the MCU now? Because, you know, we've seen James Gunn, he's trying to build up the DC, well, very much the Marvel one seems to be scrambling for the first time in its history. Where can you see this going and where do you hope it goes? Well, I actually, as much as it's part of phase five, I see this more as a standalone thing in itself. Like this is just bringing their story to its end. And like my dog is even crying because he knows that it's going to be sad. Um, so if you can hear him whimpering in the background, it's it's just because like we're, we're in for a sad film. It's not going to, it's probably still going to have like the lovely humor that we're, we know Guardians for, but it is probably going to be tinged with a lot, a lot of sadness. And I hope that they don't kill off Rocket, which I know is one of the big rumors at the moment, but it would make sense if they did considering the storyline. So the way that they're bringing in the High Evolutionary is apparently that he was going to be Rocket's creator. Um, So I think it's yeah, it's just setting us all up for something sad to happen and I don't want to say goodbye. But it is pretty much everyone's last hurrah in the roles. And he's even talking now how like he's still going to be working with everybody on the Guardians cast again down the line and he can't wait. And it's probably going to be as part of his new job. So who can we see them play if they do move to the DC? Like that's going to be weird. Yeah, I think this Batista's kind of angling for that Bane role, but I'm getting the impression from Gunn, it's very much like, you know, if you watch First Dates when, you know, the date doesn't go well, they say, oh, we're all going to be friends afterwards. You're not going to be friends afterwards. So I can see this being the end of the road for his relationship with, I certainly think, uh, with Chris Pratt and them. But I think Batista, I think Batista, when he 
was so adamantly supported him when he was fired from this film initially. I think there's a lot of goodwill in the bank there for him. And I think he, he'll find something for him in DC to do. Oh, most definitely. And I just love how you just admitted that you watch First Dates. Yeah. Way, <laughs> You're way on too a roll here with you. I really <laughs> am. First Dates, Love Island. I'm just having a, a dreadful year for TV. <laughs> Switching lanes, um, literally. We touched on it earlier. Fast X or Fast 10 or Fasten Your Seatbelt, whatever you want to call it. The 10th installment of this franchise. Uh, again, Did we ever think we were going to get 10 films out of this? Nope. <laughs> I'm shocked we got one when they basically just remade Point Break with cars. <laughs> and again, this is one of those, you know, this is the you know, the first part of a two-part ending the series, which is, I think, next year is the 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 second part. Has this, you know, we've, we've lost the rock. There's no state. Um, obviously, Paul Walker uh, isn't going to be in this. Has this, you know, to keep on this terrible metaphor, run out of road? Yeah, I think when they ended up in space, I think they show that they ran out of road. Um, it's... I, I, I'll still go watch it. It'll still probably be an enjoyable popcorn film. Um, it's probably going to have the worst storyline. <laughs> I don't know because they just the storylines just haven't been great since eight. I'd say. Um, yeah, I'm not excited for it. I'll go see it. I'm sure it'll be grand. Um, but yeah, it's it's time to bid it adieu. I just hope that um, uh, Jason Momoa's villain is going to be to be worth it because like he injured himself quite often. <laughs> like they video and pictures of him getting like CT scans done and all this type of stuff so like uh, yeah hopefully all of that effort uh, doesn't go to waste I still think it'll probably make stupid money uh, like this is one of the films that I think will break the billion uh, for the year in the box office um, but yeah I, I'm i not excited for it but I'm also kind of like alright let's let's see what the, how they're going to end this it's curious for me because that last film was just like a therapist's wet dream because it was obviously Vin Diesel's hands all over it. Every scene he is like towering over John Cena and then there was that hilarious scene where they flash back to when they're kids and he's like the kid is about 15 foot taller than the John Cena kid and you can tell he's like looking when they were doing the cast. Yeah, no, that guy best represents me. I was like, you don't know. You were not a tall man. You were not the same size as John Cena. He just thinks... You know, him and The Rock just were perfect for each other. I'm not shocked it didn't work out. They were either going to become lovers or enemies. Hmm. I'm not excited about this at all. Again, still going to watch it. Something I'm a way more excited about, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yes! Because, oh, like, Into the Spider-Verse was, like, one of the best iterations for a Spider-Man. Again, it's not based on Peter Parker, it's based on Miles Morales. So it was just such a great departure from what we'd seen from the franchise before and the fact that it was animated and the fact that it was just brilliantly written. Um, I am so excited for Across the Universe. Yeah, I spent a month's rent on the shoes he has in those films because I just wanted something to be even just more of that film because it was absolutely incredible and I actually wrote a piece for you and Geek around about how the, did, you know, the, yeah. the initial jump for that to me is the best superhero moment I think I've ever seen I was nearly leaping out of my seat in the cinema and every time I watch it it just hasn't lost any of its power and, and the more you kind of watch this you know with Miller and Lord in the background I just keep thinking how did they not get to finish their Han Solo film because that could have been something really really different than we're seeing that kind of you know the, the juggernaut of the star wars films being very same i would have been interested to see what way they would have done that i would have been interested but i do think that from what i've seen now and like heard since then it's like the tone of what they were doing did seem a little bit too far of departure for han like he is very deadpan sarcastic and i think they were going too far in the slapstick and that's where they were trying to rein in 
Um, so I can kind of understand it, but you know, it's neither here nor there. We got the movie that we ended up getting. I thought Solo was fine. It wasn't actually as much of a disaster as it should have been. Um, but yeah, it was grand. Um, but I've also just caught myself on something I said across the universe. And that's probably going to catch me out quite a few times because that's a totally different film. It's a <laughs> so, Spider-Man meets the Beatles. Yeah, oh, sure, you know I'd watch that. That'd be great. As I say, um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and actually, if people haven't seen Across the Universe, it is actually a lovely, lovely film. I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, like I, I actually had to recently do a ranking of the Spider-Man films and I included Into the Spider-Verse and I included actually some of the Venom films as well. So like having to rank them was really, really hard. But I will say Into the Spider-Verse ranked very high. And I'd say Across the Spider-Verse, if they if they could keep up the, you know, their trend of doing a good, doing a good job, hopefully it'll rank highly as well. I assume Morbius was top of that list. Oh, Jesus, Morbius, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Moving I think on. rightly so. That would have been at the end. <laughs> and this is actually a nice. Thing. Speaking of superheroes that have been forgotten about, we had Batgirl booted out. We, the result of this, we had Aff- or, sorry, not Affleck. Michael Keaton's return as Batman will now be in the Flash, as opposed to that. Mm. A few rumors kind of coming out this week where they seem to be testing the temperature of you know oh, Ezra Miller has kind of reformed. He's he's done a lot now. Maybe he can stay on as the Flash. Where do you stand with this? What do you think? Like we've been saying for for years now at this point this is going to be the flashpoint. This is going to be the one that resets DC. Is that still something they want to do with James Gunn? Or are they just kind of, you know, we're going to lead you down the garden path and erase all this and then start again? No, I actually think flashpoint is probably going to be how they erase everybody from, <laughs> they, they, they just wipe the Snyderverse out. Um, if, if, Aquaman 2 was closer to it or even before it that I probably would have been more convinced of that fact um, I think Flash is probably going to be one of the biggest biggest flops because I don't think people have the faith in it anymore I don't think people have the interest in it anymore Ezra has had such a bad run at the moment um, a with bad their run antics. the Flash you are on for with the puns oh today. my god I didn't even, I actually genuinely didn't even notice that one. Um, yeah, they've, they've just had such a bad uh, string of, you know, both professional and personal incidents. I, yeah, I just think it, it would be better if they just wipe the slate clean and start over because, you know, it's, I don't think it'd be fair for them to keep him on either um, and not Cavill. I just, just think as well, way. you mentioned there with the Aquaman, we've got Jason Momoa. He was at today saying on Instagram that he had a, a great meeting with James Gunn and with Warner Brothers and something really exciting has happened. There's been rumors he's going to switch from Aquaman to Lobo. Mm. If he does that, you kind of have to burn this universe to the ground because you can't all of a sudden have Jason Momoa show up as a completely different character because 90% of the people aren't going to know, you know the behind the scenes thing. Why is Aquaman called Lobo now? How was that well, That's what I would wonder. That's what I was wondering with, because um, Flash is having reshoots at the moment. So I would wonder is him appearing in one of those alternate universes uh, in in like the the Flash multiverse, shall we say, um, is that how they're going to introduce this whole idea that Momoa is actually this other hero, villain thing? <laughs> Lobo. <laughs> I, I just think um, scrap it and start again. I think there's the same problem that uh, the Mandalorian is going to have where you've built, you know, a two season arc and then resolved it in two episodes of the show that nobody watched. So you're going to come back for season three. You go, wait, Grogu is back. When did this happen? Oh, with the B- book of Boba Fett stuff. Yeah. Like I personally, 
I, I was enjoying what they were doing with Book of Boba Fett until they brought the Mandalorian into it. I think that did the show it more of a disservice than a, a like aided it. I feel like they kind of got afraid of people not seeing Mando um, or Din Djarin rather. Um, and that's why they ended up going down this road to try and make people watch it more. And they didn't have the confidence in the series in itself. I think if they had resolved it the way that they did with like Cad Bane and everything showing up, that was freaking awesome. Um, but yeah, I was like for the the best Mandalorian episodes to be in the book of Boba Fett because those couple of episodes were brilliant. Um, they I just don't think they belonged in that series. So I hope that the that season three is going to be great. It does look great. I have to say that trailer just looks brilliant, and I'm excited to see more um mandalorians and what happened to with the fall of mandalore and all that i'm curious to know who is coming through the door with all the jedi i have so many theories on who that is <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah it's i'm excited for it yeah youtube creators were absolutely delighted when they saw that oh we can speculate about this for the next six months Something well it's else not gonna we... be six months it's a march 1st so like get your it's timings a... right i say even when it comes out they'll still be speculating oh it's supposed to be this they're <laughs> supposed to be that Something we got this week was the trailer for Scream 6. Yes! Oh, man. How like how freaking awesome is that trailer? It just goes from 0 to 90. Because like, Scream's always been violent, but this just seems like they've taken it up. Not just one notch, but like four or five. That was something I didn't particularly like about the last one. I thought it went too gruesome with that. I think that the Scream films always have kind of very clever and inventive kill, but didn't show as graphic as it did in this one. You I didn't love the, the knife through the cheek, no? No. Too, a bit, a bit, <laughs> bit too. I know it's a lot to say what, for a series that started with, you know, Drew Barrymore's guts literally hanging out. You're like, oh, yeah, this, this is a bit much. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love the trailer. I love the set in the New York. I love that they're bringing back um, survivors from the previous movies. I would pay any amount of money. I would do terrible things to be able to have access to that Scream Shrine room because I would be in my element. I love that costume. I love this franchise. My little thing on this is I think Nev Campbell may be the killer in this. I think there's the whole, you know, the public fallout not getting paid or show. I thought this is a bit of a smokescreen for a, a massive reveal at the end that she's behind this somehow or she's involved in the finale somehow because I can't see them just letting her slip away so publicly when she's the face of this franchise. Because it is. Like, it's, uh, no, I, I disagree. <laughs> I see where you're coming from. It would be like one of those like mic drop reveals, but it would also be so. It would be a slap in the face to the character. Like she would never agree to do that. Like we know what Sydney Prescott all about, unless she had suddenly had some sort of mental breakdown and was like having like a schizophrenic episode. And it was one of her other personalities that was doing it all. That's the only way I could see them getting around it because. It is not what Sydney's all about. Yes, mic drop, jaw drop, whatever, but no. I just I'd think be maybe she's not the cat, but maybe that. she's involved somewhere. I think Matthew Lillard could be potentially back in this as well. I think See, the here's re- the kicker. He go. was supposed to he was supposed to be back in it. He was supposed Sorry, the dog has just started howling and he's just yeah, like right so next to me. I think mine can hear him as well. <laughs> <laughs> um sorry, Matthew Lillard was actually We should start a podcast with seen the as an extra we should start a podcast. I'm actually going to just put him in the front room. Give me five seconds. Sorry. Oh, he's putting himself into the front room. I love it when he does that. <laughs> Funny story. Matthew Lillard was actually, they were talking about having him come back and be a killer again down the line or that he survived the the TV falling on his head because he's actually seen in the background of, 
oh shoot is it scream 2 or something like that yeah the, the college so, party in scream 2 yeah so i think there is scope for him to be returning and because he was so like positive and um sharing loads about the second one or sorry not the second one jesus the the fifth one um you know we could be seeing him return and that could be like he's because he's getting revenge for for billy or or maybe trying to get revenge on billy by killing his child and all that spoiler alert for people who haven't seen the fifth one but you know it's been a year um so yeah i think there is a lot of scope for for it to be Stu, and i would actually kind of like i would love that i would be living i I think was was scream or scream four initially it was supposed to be he was in jail running a cult of killers and then there was a, a school shooting that kind of followed a bit similar so they scrapped that idea yes, i just i love I think Matthew that was Lillard. four was it i think it was four yeah it would have been around the time of uh yeah it makes well, sense that, that plot really sucked <laughs> yeah oh the first 20 minutes of that were just essentially done the scary movie thing of like the fake star the fake stars like no that, that to me is mm. the worst in the franchise of a series that is quite good i have a soft spot for three as well i know three is kind of the one everyone says is terrible my god andy we are in agreement again i actually have like i've been working on a piece for geek garland called change my mind scream three is highly underrated i will contribute to that (laughs) (laughs) very much so we'll we'll tag team on it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a couple of other ones we have coming up we've got june part two and again another chalamet film wonka Mm. loved love love the first Dune film it really surprised me I really love how it built up the lore I thought the world was absolutely incredible Denny Villeneuve for me is is one of the great directors at the moment I hope this does well were you a fan of the first film what are your hopes for the second I did like the first one but I just found it very slow and didn't know when to end like that last act I just felt like there were at least four different points that it could have ended at and it didn't and it just kept going on and on and on where it ended now in the like eventually I was like okay yes this does make sense but I just couldn't that middle bit should have just been edited down quite quite a lot um it was just too long at the, at the end of the day um so I'm excited to see where they go with it because I know a few tidbits of like where the story and the plot sort of go, especially considering some of the characters that they're bringing in and some of the actors. Because um, we're going to have Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, um, oh, uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, they're all joining uh, for part two. I hope they don't just suddenly announce because of where it's, uh, where part two ends. They're like, oh, and guess what? There is going to be a part three with the end of the story. I hope they don't do that. Um, but I do think they're going to have to because where the book finishes and then there's another book that then explains a bit better as to what happens to all the characters. I think a part three would be necessary, but I just hope they don't, I, I hope they just don't split Dune, the book itself into three parts, if that makes sense. Been there doing that. Hey. <laughs> I, I asked Chris, so I'm going to ask you as well. What will you think will be the biggest movie of the year? What will be your surprise of the year? And what do you think is going to be the biggest flop of the year? I think the biggest hit is likely going to be, or we're talking like box office tally, yeah. I'm assuming, uh, Fast X. I think it's going to be Fast X, it, just by historical reasons. If it's not Fast X, I'd say it'll be Mission Impossible. They just seem to be the biggest, bo- the biggest box office draws, and no matter what they do, they just seem to rake in the dough. So if they are in any way, shape or form good, they'll probably be the top of the box office by the end of the year. Um, I think the biggest flop will be The Flash. Um, for reasons that I've already gone into, um, because even with the whole 
Michael Keaton coming into it, I, I just don't think people are excited for it anymore. It's just, there's just been too much going on that it just can't, I just don't see how it can be successful in the end. Um, my biggest surprise, I think, is one that, like, when you and I were talking earlier, you hadn't even heard that this was coming. And in fairness, I hadn't until I only discovered it about two weeks ago. But, um, yeah, on August 4th, there is going to be an animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film coming out called Mutant Mayhem. And it is written by Seth Rogen and Brendan O'Brien. So we are probably in for quite the treat. And I just can't wait to see what they bring forward because you know we haven't had a good tmnt film for quite some time and i am nostalgic and i like to see them do well so i would i'm curious to see what they're going to do they've got tom holland as Raphael, dylan o'brien as leonardo and james marsden is playing splinter yeah it's a fairly big cast considering like you said i hadn't heard about this until about five minutes ago and it's was august it looks like it's out here yeah august 4 there hasn't been that much about it um seth just shared a, a thing a, a screenshot of like the poster for it um i think it was august august 4th of, of last year um and that's pretty much all we know like we haven't heard anything else about it since then and i actually couldn't even tell you what studio are releasing it you know that kind of way so i hope it's still coming out I, i'm very excited for paramount, it paramount on the right i think so probably them. i'm just looking at jeff wrote he uh, wrote mitchell's and the machines which if you haven't seen again another lord miller one on netflix is mm. one of the best animated films i've ever seen those michael bay films were awful what's actually animated seems to be the way to go with this because that was a 2007 there was one patrick stewart was in absolutely brilliant where like you know Raphael essentially leaves the turtles it's just this like really dark take on it. It was very, very good. So you've kind of got me a bit optimistic about this one now. Um, Flop, you said The Flash. Curious about that. Mm. I, I still, I just think Michael Keaton's Batman will cover a lot of sins here and get a few people in. For me, I, I agree. Just, I, I fear that people will just not want to pay to go see it. That's that's what I think mm. is going to happen. So it's still like people might be like, oh yeah, I saw it. I didn't go see it, but I saw it. You know, the kind of way. You seem to be really pitching piracy on this episode which i, I don't know well, if i agree with. <laughs> but the thing is like piracy has been on the rise again it really has it especially since all since the pandemic um so it's not me encouraging people to do it i'm just because i've just read so much about how much of a problem it is again that you know like i say problem i mean like problem for the, the businesses that are trying to do it legitimately <laughs> um, <laughs> i just it's it is just on the rise again so just looking at it from a purely um what's the word, objective point of view, I just see people that they will be more inclined to just watch it at home. It's lazy piracy. I prefer when you had to go to the market, wait 10 minutes till the store was empty and then the guy would show you the video and then go home and it'd be somebody sitting in the cinema with a video camera that had to put it down every time somebody walked by. I agree with you on the biggest. I think Fast and Furious is definitely going to be up there. For me, the surprises, I think Evil Dead will do a lot better. Evil Dead Rise will do better than people are anticipating. You've also got The Killer, which is why it's weird to call it a, a surprise film, a film starring Michael Fassbender, directed by David Fincher. But again, not an awful lot coming out about that. And I think Fincher, again, one of my favorite directors, obviously directed Seven, Fight Club, Flops. Mm. We've already talked about Dungeons and Dragons. But for me, I think that the two ones that are going to crash and burn, The Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and another superhero film, Craven the Hunter. Oh, actually, yes, those two definitely are not going to do well. <laughs> we are in agreement on that. I don't see either of them doing any kind of numbers. The only thing we're craving is, is that Aaron Taylor Johnson is mm-hmm. kind of off the back of Bullet Train and uh, obviously all the, the talk of Bond. Maybe that'll screw it too. I just think 
a Spider-Man film with Craven, one of his no, he's an interesting villain, but apparently Spider-Man isn't in this, so I don't know how you can make a Craven villain without Spider-Man anyway interesting. Yeah. So and I actually think if anything, what we've learned from Morbius is that Sony just don't seem to be able to get the grips with a non Spider-Man led film. Um so I I I don't really have much confidence in Craven. I don't have much confidence in Madame Webb either. So yeah. Again, another film I've completely forgotten about. I do. I, yeah, just I, think, know. I, think, <laughs> I think this could be the one where the superhero ones have a, a bad year. I don't think Shazam's going to do particularly well either. I can see that kind of. I hope it also. does though, because I really like Shazam. Like I know a lot of people would say that uh, Wonder Woman was their favorite from the the DCU, but I actually really like Shazam. So I, I, I really I like. That they I just don't think screw it didn't. And I think. The Rock kind of all but ignoring it and Black Adam didn't help it's got well probably helped it in the long run by not being associated with that dress yeah let's put, let's just face it like having Shazam appear probably would have helped Black Adam a little bit so that's our review or you know preview I should say of 2023 a couple of ones to be excited not so excited I'm very curious to come back and speak to you, Olivia when Dungeons and Dragons come out just to see how well it's done and you can pay me the money that when Super Mario becomes you know bigger than Avatar Olivia Fahiki Garland, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. Chris didn't bother staying till the end, so we won't say thank you to him. This has been a... <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. Let us know what you think your your best of twenty three will be or worst of twenty twenty three. Going back to the start